Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All the world's religions, to different degrees, acknowledge the need for tolerating rival faiths. But can religious traditions fully accommodate pluralism, given each makes its own special claim for being the one true path to enlightenment or salvation? I put this question to TCD Professor of Ecumenics and Vice Provost of the College, Linda Hogan, with reference to two areas especially, the role of faith in schools and the attitude of religious traditions to converts or those who abandon their faith. She first explained how religions in general approached pluralism. The first thing I would say is that within almost all religious traditions, there's a spectrum. Most religious traditions are very, what we would call, exclusivist, believing that only their religion is provides the path to salvation. You also have within most religious traditions um, what, what's often called an inclusivist perspective, which is that religion is the primary conduit, but it's tolerant of other religions, you know, that they have seeds of um, salvation uh, in them. And then there is the pluralist position, which really recognizes that um, really there are many paths to enlightenment or many paths to salvation, however you want to, 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 to style it. And what I would say is that through, through their evolution, most religious traditions have had aspects of each of them. And uh, I think what you see in the contemporary context is, in a way, many religious traditions, because we live in a globalized world where we brush up against um, adherents of all religious traditions all of the time and get to know them and understand their practices, uh, we've, I think, begun to live in a situation where pluralism, in a way, is the default for many um, uh, citizens and many believers of religious uh, adherents of religious traditions, um, and very often, you know, that's that's the primary context, and then people have to try and understand the legitimacy of their religious beliefs in that context. And how do you balance those, um, I suppose, different claims? You say there's exclusive claims often being made by religions about the one true, maybe, religious path and, and the pluralist um, sentiment as well. What ground rules, if you like, are there for, for pluralism between religions? And what maybe duties does, a, does the secular state have towards religions to allow them worship and honestly hold and practice their beliefs? I think that's probably one of the key issues for most uh, societies. M- many, many Many societies and many countries have within them uh, really the spectrum of different religious traditions and also different varieties of uh, each tradition within them, you know, so ranging from the very conservative exclusivist to the pluralist. So I think the state has to create the environment in which, uh, first of all, there is respect for um, the uh, sort of freedom of religious belief and the freedom to practice. A state has to provide also, I think, a forum in which we can actually have really genuine interaction um, on really critical 
um, moral issues in particular because most religious traditions have very strong views about particular issues like abortion, euthanasia, um, women's role, gender, sexuality, all of these things. And lots of these issues are highly political. So we have to have a, uh, an environment in which religious traditions can have their say in the in the the public square they ha i think they have to be uh, pursuing their particular arguments alongside others they have to i think the state has to provide a, an environment in where which there is a recognition that people come to these debates in good faith and we have to i think be able to debate these honestly, forthrightly, but ultimately with the aim of creating an environment in which we allow the maximum freedom, I suppose, to citizens, as long as it doesn't impinge negatively on the, the rights of, of others. You'd emphasise there the maximum freedoms within that um, framework. So do you feel there should be any restrictions, say, put on people criticising across religion? So an atheist, for instance, criticising or attacking or lampooning Islamic faith or Christian faith? Or do you think there are boundaries around politeness there or around um, the limits of legitimate comment? I think it depends, really. I, I don't think that really there are any additional norms that really should apply to the engagement or debate between religions or on religious points of view. But I would say that I think we have to have what I'd call norms of civility and goodwill. And I think that's as true for politics as it is for engaging with religion. So I suppose I would be quite unhappy about the sort of lack of civility in public debate on a, a range of issues, and I think that's true. That I would hold that in terms of um, engaging with religious traditions as well. I don't think that only an insider can criticise a religious tradition, but I do think that we have to uh, engage in debate, recognising the bona fides of those we debate with, and really recognising that our public discourse should be civil and respectful. But I think that that's as true for political debate, for debate about health and education and welfare as it is about religion. How do religions approach education in this area? Is it a particular problem area or can be in the sense of um, traditionally religions have often tried to control schooling, control education and that's seen in, in modern manifestations as well? I'd begin by, by saying it's not surprising that religious traditions have a very strong interest in education and it's not very surprising either that many states have depended historically on religious traditions providing education for the general populace because very many uh, religious traditions have been really the, the, the um, the, the forerunners in terms of providing education to the general population. So religions have long since had a stake in, in, in education, having a, an educated populace. I think um, the, the difficulty arises when, and difficulties arise when over time the state doesn't take that responsibility to itself and provide a, a, a fully comprehensive um, education system for all of its citizens. Um, so in that context, I, I do think that 
um, I think a, a society is best served where there is a very strong public education system that is multi-denominational and non-denominational and pluralist. I think it's also served where um, religious traditions can provide, through their own means, a uh, religiously-based um, institutions that promote certain values. But even in those contexts, I think um, I think a religious tradition doesn't serve its it, its young people well if it prepares them to live in a you know a monocultural and uh, exclusivist environment because all young people, whether they're formed in a in an exclusively religious context or not, actually have to reckon with the religious pluralism that's all around them. So they need to know how to, to manage that and negotiate that. Looked at the viewpoint, though, let's say from the religious standpoint, or even the Catholic Church here in Ireland, aren't they right, though, to be a bit wary about giving up control of schools in terms of losing maybe some field of influence, an important field of influence over developing young people? I don't think so, really, <laughs> because I, I think in the end it's about um, the formation uh, of values and it's about promoting certain values and it's about um, ensuring that young people are, from the Catholic Church's point of view, um, believe and you know come to the religion uh, wanting to um, be part of it. I, I don't really think that that's something that's best achieved sandwiched between maths and English, actually. <laughs> I think it's best achieved in a different way. You're trying to engage people in a different, at a different level for a different purpose. So ultimately, I think that um, the Catholic Church's um, religious agenda, let me call it that, um, or aspirations would I don't really think that they will be impacted negatively by ceding control of um, certain schools. I think it's very important to educate young people uh, in values for global citizenship, for, you know, in terms of inclusivity and um, quality and all of those values. So I think it would, insofar as they are part of religious education, I think that they do need to be preserved. But I would prefer to see uh, an environment in which a knowledge of different religious traditions, their evolution and, you know, their diversity was part of young people's um, understanding of the world and also a, uh, a, an appreciation of you know, what the key values are uh, in terms of global living. That's what I think we should be aiming for in education. When it comes to discussing um, pluralism and, and tolerance within religions, one kind of category of, of people who sometimes come in for particular intolerance are insiders who turn against the faith and commit apostasy, for instance, you know, as it's categorised as a religious crime. Is it a particular issue within particular religions or is it something that's more to do with um, a historical context of, uh, of religions and it's, it's played out at different eras, different places? I think it's the latter, really, than the former. Um, I think what you see is, if you remember, I began by talking about this spectrum from sort of exclusivist to inclusivist as part of a religious tradition in terms of how they deal with uh, the, the claims of other religions. Uh, you see a similar dynamic 
in different religious traditions at different times in terms of the, you know, the departure or the criticisms of um, insiders. Uh, most religious traditions at different times had less tolerance for uh, internal criticism than criticisms or um, uh, from ex outside. But again, I think you have to see this in the context of the historical evolution of all religious traditions. It's not something that the, um, the leaders of religious traditions like to draw attention to, but every religious tradition has gone through fairly substantial change and development, even on things that are held to be fundamental today you know they they have changed and evolved over the um over the centuries in Roman Catholicism, for example, the views on marriage, divorce, abortion, human rights, heretics, uh, war, and conscientious objection they've all almost done a three hundred and three hundred and sixty degree evolution in terms of how uh, the the religion views these and what it taught on these. So internal critics are, you know, very much part of the way in which a religious tradition evolves. You know, we can see that retrospectively, but at the time they very often come in for very serious criticism. Finally, I don't know if you see um, how pluralism will affect religions in the years to come. I mean, is there a, a possibility religions will become more similar because they'll become more tolerant and maybe the, the, the emphasis on the exclusive claims that they, they have traditionally been made will be watered down? Um, or is it possible even religions will, will if you like, become less um, pronounced and become more like what everyone who doesn't believe in religion believes in? Uh, if you like, religions may die off as, as societies become more pluralistic and as religions em embrace pluralism. Well, I think what we see at the moment is that there is a, um, a lot of fragmentation uh, so that um, there's certainly, I would say, a fair deal of uh, convergence and overlap in many of the liberal, let's call them that, strands and the pluralist strands of the major world religions. I think that's very evident. And they're moving progressively towards more collaboration and um, especially on you know, big social and, uh, and ethical issues. But in parallel, there is you know, a phenomenal growth in the more, say, non-institutional forms of all religious traditions uh, in Christianity. The Pentecostalism is really, you know, growing significantly in Islam, very uh, dynamic um, evolution there as well. Similarly in Hinduism. So I think there's, you know, I, I think you do see that there is fragmentation of the major religious traditions, the, the end of the power and the weight of the big institutions, uh, um, and they are converging, I think, in terms of lots of um, similar beliefs. But in addition, I think there's a very large growing group of and spectrum of uh, religious traditions that are far more informal, charismatic, evangelical, and also quite exclusivist in their claims as well. Linda Hogan, thank you. 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.